to watch Survivor and slog through the nadir. Then season 40's awesomeness will make you wanna cheer. We're all just so excited to watch these winners play. But we're still lazy, so this podcast comes out on Friday. John will make some dumb jokes. And he likes to yell and scream, but now we're watching 20 winners play, and it feels like a dream. We'll spend the whole time freaking out and judging the best move. And anything that Tony does, you know that we'll approve. It's the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. Winners at war! Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, the world's undisputed biggest Boston Rob fan. I'm joined by Andy, the world's undisputed biggest Yule fan, and we're discussing uh, Survivor Winners at War episode I seven-ish at this point. I don't really sure. know. The important thing is we have all the bases covered about our fandom here, so we don't need anyone else with us here like we had last week. Right, Andy? Actually, John, uh, I thought, you know, I was just thinking, this is just spitballing, based on what happened this episode, it made sense to bring on the world's undisputed best uh, Tyson fan. Mmm. Oh, oh, Matt. Huge Tyson guy, that guy. That's me. That's right. So, like, those are the three major storylines that we'll be talking about this episode. Yule, Tyson, Rob. I, I think everyone would agree that they were the three major players. Um, so, yeah, welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me, guys. I can't believe you made me wait until after Emma was back on. Well, you had the benefit of uh, Parvati going, oh, 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 that's right. No, I'm sorry. Your favorite Tyson did go ahead of Parvati. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so then you made me wait. Yes. You know, out of, uh, As punishment. you know, chivalry. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, we wanted you to get over, get over that loss, and we wanted to get you a week where, you know, there wouldn't be any big emotions. You'd be able to speak about Survivor a little more clear-headedly. And on that subject, um, how much does it suck that we just lost you? Oh, I can't believe we lost you. <laughs> I hate this season. Hey, he was... Um, so well positioned that in them losing, I was like, well, at least Yule's not going home. That was the one thing that I took comfort in as that tribe headed to tribal council. I was like, well, they did lose the challenge, but feel like the only person I care about on that tribe is Yule and he's set. So I don't care how this vote goes. Well, it turns out. So really heading into Tribal Council, you still thought he was safe? Uh, oh, no, I'm saying after they lost the challenge, and I knew they were going to Tribal Council. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I started, but I didn't worry until Yule gave the post-challenge confessional, and then I was like, wait, why is Yule saying it's Wendell? That, that's not what's going to happen now. And then my wor- and then my worry started to increase, and my frantic DMing of John started to, uh, tick up, uh, tenfold. Yeah. It, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me, it was like when they were at camp and they started, uh, when he started talking and it was clear that both Nick and Michelle got the uh, looks to them when Yule was talking strategy. And then I'm like, ah, shit. I don't think that was the moment that actually buried him, though. I, I think that was like what the show used, but I just think, I think that Nick and Michelle were closer to, uh, Wendell than we were shown. 
Oh, sure. And we'll get into the reasons why. It's just like while watching, that was the moment where we are like, oh, no. Right. And I think what basically it all boiled down to, and I think it's been a repeat for all of the, yeah, this season, is as soon as everybody realizes how dangerous these players are, it's over, you know, because they were already worried about it. So um, the hope, what we had seen, before, you know, leading up to this is that people weren't viewing Yule that way, you know. Last week we didn't, you know, list him in our legends and it wasn't because we were overlooking him. It was because nobody else seemed to be doing that. So it didn't seem like he was being given that status by the people there. But as soon as that moment happened between Nick and Michelle, even before they started talking, I'm like, ah, crap, they do see him this way. We're, we're in trouble here yeah. and then once i saw them talking like going strategy is like i bet it's you yeah no i i felt the exact same way uh i mean and it's just it's just a continuation of what has kind of become the way to play modern survivor which is you cut off the the tallest blade of grass until you until there are you know only three blades of grass left and you hope that you're you know the tallest of those three yeah and that's it's disappointing to watch that because People are so quick to strike that no one ever gets to build an interesting game. It's all the also-rans right. that just happen to tag along long enough to make their one move at the right point. Yeah, and like so, like it really sucked for Yule because it felt like you know prior to this episode that he was somebody that would be able to do that. You know, like you know one of the the comforts I was having is like, yeah, sure, like Nick and. You know, Wendell look like they're in a good spot, but that should be to the benefit of a player I like, Yule. You know, Yule had successfully rallied the lessers yep. up against the Poker Alliance. And I'm like, well, that's good. For, you know, it's bad for me that I want, you know, me who want to see, you know, Amber or you know, Tyson you know, succeed a little. But it's good for Yule, so that's good. But when he goes, not my favorite player, but one of my very favorite players of all time. But when he goes, it's like, there's no hope. That's kind of what just I felt. You know, like, it never felt like there was going to be much hope for a Rob or Parvati. So I was just happy when we got something out of them. But, like, when even, like, a Yule can't hide from, you know, this modern philosophy, it's just, like, not only does, like, my hope for the season start to fade, uh, and it is a lot, and we're going to get into that, um, my hope for this show, like, as a product, as a competition is starting to really waver. Yeah, I mean, and that's really... I, I'm still fine with this season because, as we'll discuss in a bit, like, there's still a lot of people that I still like in the game, though generally there's not as many people that I like as much as the people that are on the edge. But it really just... It, it's a continuation of, like, what's been a strategy for the past, I don't know, like, eight to ten seasons or so, where it's just... The second someone shows they're a threat, you cut them down, which makes, which, you know, it makes sense. It's what people should be doing, but it also means that we're not getting to see people, we're not really getting to see people stand out in the game when everyone's crouching. And, you know, the observation was made by Boston Rob early in the season. He was, you know, in like one of, in the very first episode, he was like, why is no one throwing out a name? And it's because like everyone who play who has won in the modern game has learned you don't throw out a name, you don't stick your neck out, uh, because the, when you stick your neck out, you get in trouble. And I think, to your point about the people on edge versus the people still in the game, I think if you offered me that next week we're going to have, I should probably save this for my hopes for next week, if they said, hey, we're going to have a challenge, edge of extinction people versus people still in the game, if edge of extinction people win, everyone on the island 
goes to Edge of Extinction, Edge of Extinction people come back and play the real game, I'd be like, yes, cool, support. I'm 100% behind that. I would take a complete swap out, even though I would lose Tony and Kim in that yeah. process. In a complete, like, you know, manipulation and bastardization of this game, you'd be like, yep, yep no, no, I, no, let's I'm going to roll with it. it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to let my fandom shine. <laughs> yeah, see, and for me, it's like, it's not even just like I'm all, you know, like, sore that I'm losing my favorite players, Yule Tyson. Um, You know, I, I guess I like that Boston Rob guy a bit, just not as much as John. Right. Like, I, I knew I was going to lose people I enjoyed. I'd made my peace with it. It's just, yeah, like, going into this season, like, uh, following last season, um, I was, yeah, you know, when we had, like, another mediocre dude win the game, right? Yeah. And I, I keep struggling with remembering the redheaded guy's name who won last season. His name was Tommy. Uh, Tommy. There we go. And it's just like, yeah, it just feels like this is what Survivor is. And, like, you know... Can I fault people for, you know, voting out somebody that feels like they can beat them? No, I can't. It's just, it's not interesting to me. And it's yeah. hard to get invested in a competition when it's, a you know, this really big race to the middle. And I mean race, because Survivor's always been a bit about the middle, and that's why, you know, once in a while when we get a truly, you know, exceptional, you know, winner, or even exceptional almost winner, they're, they're to be treasured, because that doesn't happen very often. But the middle, it used to take a little longer to get to, but now it is truly people racing to, like, I don't want to be the worst, because, you know, some of the worst people are still taken out. Early. Right. But but I also can't, I cannot be better um, because that's dangerous, and it starts so early, and everybody's like, yeah, I know there is the attitude, and I, I appreciate the optimism. We tried to have opti- we not even tried, we did have optimism going into this season. That look, man, Tony's still there, you know, Kim's still there, and all that. But it's like that's there's that's four people. You know, yeah. at this point in Game Changers, we still had good people left, people we could have been excited about. But I also knew they weren't going to do anything. Now, do I know that the people that we like are not going to do anything? No, there's still some hope. Also, the people that I don't like as much aren't terrible right. for the most part. But what it says about Survivor and this vote in particular is just, I don't know if it's a competition I can get excited about anymore because I don't know if it's one that you can really you know excel at. Well, and this is why I compared it to kind of the strategy of the past couple seasons, because if this was just happening on this season, it would be like, okay, that's smart. These are winners. They realize that these people are threats. They're doing this. But it's really a continuation of the same game that a lot of these modern winners played in their seasons. And so Mm -hmm. it's not a new thing that we're seeing. It's the same thing that has made me uh, grow a little weary of the show in recent seasons. And to see that on a season that I was looking forward to so much is distressing. And if it had just been like one or two or three of these, you know, of, of these favorites of mine, I wouldn't care because that's like, well, there's so many others. But it's, you know, except for like Danny, it, like everyone that's been voted out has been among my favorites. And we had this same issue last week where it's like, at least when we lost Sandra, it was a big moment, you know? It was Denise stepping up to yeah. the plate yeah. and making it a moment. I mean, Wendell and Nick and Michelle voting out Yule? Shrug. Like, that's not anything yeah. other than them being like, uh, Yule's better than us, let's get rid of him. Like, okay, well, that was fun, I guess. It just, it. I'm with you on it feeling pretty bleak at this point. Um, and it definitely does feel like... Anybody that can make a name for themselves gets cut down really quickly. 
And then the people that I was, you know, less enthused about, I have to get a little more enthused about. So someone like Sarah, who I can't believe I would say this, Sarah is at least more entertaining this season. I know she's a really good player. So if Sarah can somehow work some magic and make it far in the game, I might be like, hey, that was enjoyable at least. But I feel like the, the ceiling of this season has just been lowering week after week. Yeah, like, shout out to all the legends who had to be coaxed back into playing Survivor again against their better judgment. I bet they really feel great about that decision, right? <laughs> and, like, and, like, for this season specifically, like, one of the reasons why I always wanted an all-winter season was, to, like, the closest to a level playing field we could get while bringing back some of these players, right? Because, you know, we're not idiots. We're fans are not idiots. We know that, you know, from the very first time they ever did this, that, like, big targets will be targeted. Right. But it's like, but if they're all winners, then shouldn't that be a thing? And it turns out, no, there's still going to be a hierarchy. And it's not even just, like, the biggest names. Like, it's still, like, a Yule, too. Hey, you know, the, his big mistake this episode was proving that he isn't an out-of-touch idiot. That was basically it. Once people saw, oh, God, no, this is the Yule I remember on TV, and he was really good at it. That was it. It was a wrap. Because the three other people know that they're not that great. You know? They're they're pretty good at this modern stuff because the modern thing is run and hide. And it's just, um, if Survivor is a game of hide and seek, the way to win it now is to hide. But I'm more interested in people who seek. Yeah, well, I, I will say that I think one of those three people does actually think they are as good as Yule. Uh, and it's the one that's being... That's getting by far the worst out of those three. Wendell clearly thinks that he should be in control. And like, and I, and I really think that Yul got voted out because there was a power struggle between the two of them. And the other two realize it's easier to pull one over on Wendell than it is on Yule. Like, that's what I think was actually going on behind the scenes here. And, you know, and you can tell by the fact that, like, they, Yule, Wendell's basically like, oh, Yule's coming after me. Why is he doing that? And it's like, because you're acting irrationally. And you want to be in control, despite the fact you're all all over the place. Yeah, so, like, you know, can we point to something Yule did wrong? Yeah, like, I think, you know, everybody's saying, he looked too dangerous and all that. But that's precisely the frustration. Because the, the decision for Michelle and Nick was, do we play with this player who seems to know really what they're doing? Or should we play with this player we feel like we can beat? And, of course, it's the smart decision to play with the play- person you feel like you can beat. Yeah. But it's just boring. I'm tired of everybody being like, I don't want, like, there's no asset, there's no value to me as a player to be with somebody who is good at this. And I think that the the arrow has moved for player you can beat. Because back in, like, Kagayan, Tony was a player you could beat. People were not afraid to take Tony to the end like they should have been. And now that Tony proved, like, oh, my God, you can play that game and win, that's then made those types of players like totally dangerous and you would never want to sit next to them. So everybody plays for the more milk toast types that they can bring with them instead. I mean, and, and some people that are still in the season would play with a Yule. I think Sophie would still be playing with the Yule. I don't yes. think she would have turned with him because she, because in her, in her view, the way to play the game is to align with people that are of like mind of like strategy. And Yule is that with her. You know, I, I don't want to say, you know, I mean, like, Yule didn't get, like, swap screwed like, you know, Parvati and Boston Rob did. But, no. 
I do have real problems with the swap because the swap, yes. it, it seems, you know, like you guys have been were saying last week and the week before, the swap has evolved to where it's just open season on people who have lost, you know, the work they've put in during the first 10, 12 days of the season. And now they have to go back to work, you know, and with a raised profile and maybe with some people that realize, hey, this is this this person's now vulnerable where they weren't before. I think they're trying so hard to avoid those like pre-merge pagonging type things where a, a tribe gets yeah. split and then we don't want to see just we know which two or three people might be going home every week. But the cure to that was having idols. <laughs> that yeah. the idols yeah. plus the swap is just it's too much. It switches it back into the opposite direction where it's like no, now I can't watch this person build their game because they have to rebuild it every 12 days. You know, the swap was introduced because they didn't want it to just be whoever survived from one tribe versus whoever survived from the other tribe. And the thing is, that was necessary back when it was first introduced because that was the dynamic that would always occur. But then, you know, but but I think Modern Survivor... While that might be the dynamic for a couple of votes, I don't think in most seasons that would be the dynamic for most of the post-merge. I think it would be a more fluid game even without that. And if you don't have a swamp, it would allow people who have worked on building relationships to have to actually see value from that work. You know, it's you know it's an artificial thing that's thrown at them, and that doesn't mean it's unfair because the game throws unfair things at you all the time. But it also means that maybe it's outlived its usefulness. Maybe this is not giving you what you still want. I think one of the ways they've survived survived, is by throwing little switches into their formula. Like Philippines rescued this show because they were like, oh, shit, three tribes could do it. Like people weren't used to that format. We could reinvigorate the show because we're introducing a new wrinkle. People don't know how yet to respond to it. But now... We know all the configurations. We know there's going to be a swap. We know they're going to switch to three tribes. We know all these different things will happen. And the players plan for it. And then they realize, like you guys said, we got to swap open season. Quick, let's get rid of all the people that we don't want to get to the merge with. It becomes like an early merge. So merge was always a dangerous time for the strongest players, all the way to, you know, Gretchen being the first merge boot ever. Right. Colby getting votes put on him in the second merge ever. Like, it's always been that dangerous time. And now they just, and for one, merges used to be closer to halfway through the season. Right. And now they're a third of the way of the season. And then they push that up ahead even more. And it's just creates this thing where, yeah, I think for the first little bit, why be the person? Why try to make any moves other than to possibly save yourself? Because that just means that you're going to be a target even earlier and this like all of modern survivor has just become just don't be a target just don't be a target just don't be a target and i can't fault that as a gameplay if you're there and your goal is to move on but i can fault that as a television product right you don't want people just running away from it you know excelling at the things you're presenting it is not particularly interesting uh and like it's it is it's a problem and i know like i think when I've railed against this in the past, because, you know, how I talk about how I like people who, you know, try to win, that, you know, make bigger moves, uh, it's, it, it feels like an attack against a certain group of people. It, frankly, it feels like a gendered attack, right? Because a lot of some of the, you know, awesome female winners of this show's history were a little more under the radar. But here's the thing. This new philosophy of, you know, don't stick your neck out and you could win has not benefited women. 
at all. Yeah. Right? Look at the modern winners. Women aren't winning very much. Yeah. Uh, what it has benefited is the mediocre male. Right? And, like, that's not what I'm here for, and I haven't been here for since I hated Vanuatu for similar reasons. <laughs> well, oh, man, you, you're, you're giving Chris a lot of credit calling him a mediocre male. Yeah, it's quite a step up for him. I mean, but, like, that's, like, all of these guys, and we're seeing them, and, like, we saw them in this boat. We see a Nick. We see a Wendell. They know that the move is to not be that strong. Right. And, and, like, frankly, like, Wendell still end up, was, like, one of the two strongest players because that season was, you know, poorly cast. And I think a lot of this goes back to the fact that modern players are far more versed in, like, the rhythms and the, you know, the history of Survivor than past players ever were. And that's not just because, like, they're casting more fans and all that. It's because it is so much more accessible to, like, catch up on Survivor. So, you know, I think what might have been more interesting in the past, the way that, like, players might have been able to stick around a little longer, even though they were obvious targets, is not everybody knew that, like, we should get rid of that person. Yeah, well, and then there's another way that the rhythms have been coming into play, and that's with how predictable, you know, uh, certain events in the game have become. We were talking about the problem with the swap, Another problem with the swap is the fact everyone knows when it's going to hit within yep. one or two votes. It's either going to hit at 16 or 15 if they're going to three, and that's it. And if you know it's coming, it, you know, it, 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 it just it loses any surprise either. Like what they should do, and a friend of mine mentioned this to me today, was they should like, probe, like from the second challenge on, Probe should bring out a wheel, and he should be spinning that wheel until – and like you know, every challenge he spins it once. It's either swap or no swap. And maybe, you know, you grow the swap area a little bit every time. And, you know, and if it doesn't hit swap the first times he spin it, then you don't swap. And he just brings it out every challenge. And then there's that unpredictability to the point where everyone is like, is this the week we swap? Is this the week we swap? Maybe that's the solution, just to add that very visible unpredictability to when or if they ever swap. I don't know if I support that because, I mean, they've had a swap wheel at a lot of swingers parties that I've been to. And it just... It really puts some pressure on the situation. Well, you want to be the one spinning the wheel, right? And also so the anticipation. It. When are we doing this? When, uh, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> I prepared to get rid of the people I came here with. I'm not dancing right. with who brung me. <laughs> I, I just think unpredictability to like the more basic elements of the game would help the game at this point. Yeah, and, and John started to bring this up, and I believe it was in comments. Um, I think it might have been Prom King. I wanted to give people the person credit, but now I'm a little unsure, unless I just did. That, yeah, or it was Matt that brought it up, but that, that like, the juries now respect um, gameplay. So nobody wants to have, be up against a game player, you know? In the past, like, the yeah. people who were, like, the more active players sometimes lost yep. at the jury phase. They were punished for that. That doesn't happen anymore. I can't think the last person who was punished for playing too active a game. It might have been Russell Hance. Um, like, it's been a while, right? So then that becomes another thing that, like, now that you know you don't want to go to a jury, unless you're, like, you know, you're, like, a weirdo, like, woo or something. You don't want to go to the jury against that person. Right. They, they don't even have that cover. Boston Rob had a bit of that cover in Redemption Island that people could think, 
I've seen this guy lose in front of a jury. Like, th- I think they, they're going to hate him for what he's doing or, you know, they, they don't want, they won't want to, you know, reward a returnee. You know, there probably was talk like that at the time. So that was enough to like people being like, eh, you know what? He's less dangerous than like person from other tribe. And like, to your point, I think Tony had some of that too. Like Tony's going to be another Russell Hans, but then Tony wins. And yeah, I, I can't remember the last time that somebody was penalized for playing too hard at survival at the final jury mode it might even coach yeah. yeah i guess i guess yeah i would say that that's probably accurate i think that that might be it yeah if anybody else has another example but yeah what more what happens is like they'll try to convince themselves that one of these people was more active than the other right i mean i guess you could say maybe dom but like dude almost won yeah like, <laughs> i mean and i would say coach. he was just as active as wendell was like that was like they literally were like tied in terms of both activity and final travel council votes <laughs> mm-hmm. right so yeah and it's just it's created a, that experience and look if you're still into it because oh there's people that are like listening it's like oh you know you know stop crying you know adam beat whoever or whatever but it's just like that's fine it's just it, it's i'm not you know and i don't mean every season to be you know the games master wins it all i don't need every, every i don't really care about challenge beats much at all but I need it sometimes. Yeah. And it's been a while. You know, um, I, Jeremy, maybe it's the last one to win that way. I think so. And that wasn't even in the 30s? No, that was. That yeah, was 31. Early 30s. It was 31. Was it? it was barely in there. All oh, right, yeah. His first appearance is 29. Right. But yes, he won in 31. Right. Oh, actually, I just remembered probably the, the actual answer to the last person to win that wasn't the most active game player. Uh, Korong. Michelle. There you go. Yep. Good point. <laughs> and she's here. <laughs> Hey, uh, we should we should switch to a slightly happier topic and discuss who's left that we actually still like and are rooting for. Yeah. Um, well, first off, technically, there's a lot of people that are still in the game that are on the edge of extinction. True. So there, there's an answer. All of them, but Danny. Uh, next. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so Jeremy, Tony, Kim, I think, uh, and Denise are the four most obvious yeah. ones. So the entire, um, but then. Right, so the entire Red Tribe. So thank God they didn't go, though, you know, not much better to lose Yule. Um, but uh, Sarah and Sophie, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with. I, I was a little hesitant on them before this season. I've really enjoyed both of them this season. Yeah, that's the list for me. Yeah, so I... I, I... Yeah, I mean, I obviously like those four, but I, I don't have a lot of hope for them. I, I think there's avenues, but if the dominant narrative is we need to vote out, you know, these legends and their dominant uh, narrative is we're legends and we need to band together. Well, I mean, there's seven other people versus those four. Yeah. Um, I think the person I might be rooting for besides anyone from Edge of Extinction, and I don't care what your arguments about the perversion of the game. Uh, I'm in favor of it because I feel like those people never really had a chance. So might as well give them another one. Now they're even. Um, I might be rooting for Sarah, uh, you know, because I've been impressed with what she's done. I've been entertained, but also I feel like she's the person best positioned to win while doing exciting things because I think she'll be given enough of a runway to do so because she, even though she absolutely deserves it, she apparently doesn't have the same rep that those other people do. Yeah. Um, well, except so that, with the people on the edge, they all seem to really respect Sarah. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of it. You know, they like saw what she did in that season. They're like, yeah. Whereas I think the other people might have saw it. And they're like, yeah, I still don't like. <laughs> like a lot of us fans, right. we're like, yeah, you know, she's kind of boring. And that's why I was getting to this earlier. Like, I I think I might actually be rooting for Sarah because she's the most obvious person to me that could actually do things and yet not necessarily be immediately taken out for doing things. I don't really know why she just doesn't give off the threatening vibe. And I just, I think she could actually maneuver. I don't know that it would be the outcome I would most root for, but I do want to see an active winner. So if it has to be Sarah, it's Sarah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at too. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. Um, I mean, ultimately, like, I want Tony to win, right? Yes. Oh, but yeah, that would be I the don't best. See it. <laughs> I don't see it at all. You know, I think, you know, Kim has, you know, has, she has an idol, although Sophie knows about it, so that kind of hurts a bit. Um, and, you know, maybe she's, you know, we saw her make connections with Denise, so, you know, there's a chance she has a second life, but it's like, I just don't know if any of the biggest names can do it, given what, you know, the other players are banding together to do, and it's seven on four, you know, maybe right. five, depending on who comes back of Edge of Extinction. But yeah, Sarah's like, you know, Sophie is already uh, fully Team Sarah. Uh, other people seem to be that way. You know, she, she's getting money from Yule. Like, yeah, it's it's already working. So, right. let, yeah, and I know she can do stuff. You know, she did a lot of stuff in Game Changers. It was almost like this could this is like a repeat of Game Changers, but maybe she can do that, but better yeah. or more interestingly. Yeah, I think right. just more entertaining is really what we're looking for yeah. because I think she actually played a great game in Game Changers. She did. Yes. 100%. And, like, I think that could actually happen because, you know, while we're down on the people who have been successful lately, it, I'm not, like, they're not the, these dour, you know, people that, like, were on Game Changers. You know, I put right. that out a while ago that, like, this just wasn't a fun season, so Sarah couldn't be fun. They're fine. It's just, it, what, it's what they symbolize. And the, the, the moves or the thinking that seems to be their structure of we need to get out threats, we need to get out threats, we need to get out threats. It's like, is uh, that was what was thrilling for the first couple weeks it's like are they not thinking about getting out threats oh no no okay they are yeah and it's just like that's what it represents because it's not like these people are bad it's not like these people aren't in normal seasons threats it's just it's you know what's happening a survivor for the past several seasons even bled into the dream season right i mean and just what i notice if you look at kind of the remaining cast the people who i like i actively don't like are all the ones that were introduced in the 30s Whereas everyone that yeah. remains that was introduced in the twenties, uh, I like to, to 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 a degree. Uh, you know, actually, yeah. Or- Somebody else pointed this out in comments. Um, to get all- cast on this season from the past, you needed to be a legend. Yep. Right, like they were, like, oh, or Danny, or right? Danny, but <laughs> Danny. Uh, even but even with Danny, it was like you know she, she'd never come back. It had been a long time. You know the only person from her season. Like there was at least some interest there. Right. Um, whereas to get back on this season from recent seasons, you just had to win. Yep. You know you didn't have to be a legend, right? And that's you know where like it, you know all, you know so obviously like time time made some of these people legends and the fact that they're watching. But there's also the fact that like. And nobody really thought that these people were legends anyway. They were just the people. I mean, obviously, Michelle stands think that, <laughs> and we're going to get into it. But, you know, <laughs> they just needed to kind of win. And, like, you know, one of the undercurrent, like, storylines that's happening with Michelle, it's happening a little bit with Ben, that, like, they have something to prove. Um, 
only a modern winner could have that because only these modern winners that were brought back have doubt about their wins in the first place. Everybody else um, doesn't have anything to prove because they won. Yeah, that's and, a really good point. Again, Danny is probably the exception there. Right. But also, there just aren't that sure, many. Sure, but like, not a lot of people have spent a lot of time thinking about Danny's wins since then. That's a good so. point. I mean, right, and there just also like weren't that many other people to invite in Danny's place because there aren't that many female winners. Yeah, yeah, the list of um, female winners that were denied is smaller because the list of female winners. Right, it's basically Tina, uh, you know, was the one that everyone was like, oh, where's Tina? Uh, And that's like the one bigger name than Danny that was left out that could have been included there. Um, So was this the right decision by Michelle and Nick? Obviously, we hate that they came to it, but do we criticize the choice of doing it? I actually do, yeah. Because, well, this is why. Because you're coming into a merge. You know that you're you're good with whatever three survives this. But three's not a majority. Three's not even <sighs> even close to a plurality. Uh, you need bonds with those other people. And I don't know that Wendell brings that. Who are, you know, Wendell's two closest people, the only people Wendell's close with, are the two people that he's, that he's with. Whereas Yule has bonds with a lot of other people on that other tribe. He he makes it very easy for you to build a majority, and you know, and if and again, like the way Yul was talking, you think, hey, he has bonds with those other people, but he's still really close with us. You know, I'm not sure that these three. You know, you seem very convinced that they're going to team up with the Sophie Sarah crew. I'm not positive about that. You know, like I don't I don't know where these three are going to go. And if they're and if you know maybe they just get picked off because the other ones see them as weak and not as tight as 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 they would be. Yule has bonds. Yule makes it very easy to build a majority. I think this was really short sighted. Do you think that Nick and Wendell were aware that Yule had such bonds with like Sophie for one, and then Sarah? Like was that I th- clear? I think to they them? definitely knew that he was close. I think they definitely knew he had bonds with Sophie because. That was like the four that he put together. Um, you know, whether or not they knew that he had like bonds with like Sarah or with Tony or with, you know, other survivors of that original tribe, I'm not sure. But I think it's very clear if you look at like the scenes from, you know, that at least we've been shown that Wendell certainly doesn't. I, I'm most disappointed in Yule here because he, he made a pregame alliance with Nick. I, I don't remember where I read that, but I did. He should have aligned with his wife's favorite player, Parvati, and we would just be living an entirely different mm-hmm. experience right now. <laughs> so I, I'm just I'm so disappointed in Yule. That's where Yule went wrong for me. I mean, I also just think that it's like, you know, we talk about how Modern Survivor is just cut down the tallest blades of grass. But, you know, if Yule's the one you're worried about, I'm just I'm not sure why you need to do it right now. I, no one has, seems to have any interest in Jeremy's idea of being shielded. <laughs> like... I think everybody yeah. just figures, hey, if there's no such thing as a shield left, I mean, I think part of that fear, too, might be like, oh, we can't let that shield get too close to the final four because they could win immunity at five. And then, you know, we're screwed. That person wins. So they chop them off earlier and earlier. I I get it. But at the same time, like none of these lower tier winners have any interest in the shield thing because... They're just like, nah, screw it. If all the the targets are gone, one of us has to win. Like, they can't just say, no, you all suck. We're not going to vote for you at Final Tribal Council. Someone's getting that two million. 
Yeah, I mean, Tony is obviously interested in the shield idea, but I think, you know, for somebody, for or Nick, it's like, who isn't a shield if you're Nick? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you could convincingly position Adam to be one, you know? So, I, I, I mean, I get it from their perspective. I am interested in this idea that, like, where do they have to go now? But I guess the flip side is, like, where else is Sophie going? Is, is she, does she have deep bonds with Tony? Uh, I mean, Sophie's following Sarah. And Sarah does, though. Yes. That, and that, you know, could be an excellent point. And, and Sarah is also somebody who, you know, at least showed interest towards the idea of shields. And I think is somebody who could benefit from them. Um, so that, that, I mean, that would be amazing. But, but well, I mean, and I'm not even saying that. No, with that idea, you're happen. already starting to, like, renew some of my faith that, you know, things no, could turn No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying that, I'm saying that they paint themselves into a tighter corner with Wendell than they would with Yule. And that's I, why I think it's a mistake. I just, I, I'm with Andy. No, I'm just going to go optimism here because if we get into the merge and the Sophie Sarah is basically the, the swing block and they swing towards that red tribe and they just take out all the lessers, I'm in 100%. I'll take any of those six as a winner, whatever. See, just yeah, but, now, but now you assholes are going to blame me if this doesn't happen. Yes. That's that's one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, I'm totally of course. Embracing this. God damn it! <laughs> I mean, we're not even going to have you back on the podcast. We will just spend our time here complaining about how Matt like did us so right. wrong. Like, your fault. Yes. Um, the one worry I have is like it's not like Sophie has a long history of like swinging back and forth in her playstyle, you know. No. Um, but yeah, it, maybe she's not presented with an option. But like, yeah, the, her yeah way to win was like. The, probably the most rigid win in the history of Survivor. You know what she needs? She needs a swing wheel. <laughs> Have probes come out and spin <laughs> the swing wheel. But I also feel like she's somebody who, you know, could very easily play a different way. You know, it's not like she had a lot of options the first way to play differently. But, you know, um, you know her, her win in South Pacific was characterized with, I'm going to make sure none of these other, frankly unlikable people that I'm aligned with um, do anything to make this game interesting or change, right? right? And which was the right move for her. But if I'm looking for somebody to you know, then do this to this season, she's not the most likely candidate for me just yet. I need to see it right. before I can do that. Um, because, yeah, she was... The, but, you know, she does have a bond with Kim, not one that she was particularly interested in having, but it exists now. Yeah, yeah I think I just perceive Sophie as being the type of person that could be adaptable. And it's really just because she seems yeah. smarter than the average player. <laughs> so that alone might make her realize like, yeah, I'm not going to win with the same exact strategy I had the first time. I can switch it up here and still be fine. Right. Which is why Sophie's like among the players I still like that are in the game, you know, because I, and I think that what we've seen from her so far is more personality and more game, you know, and she's already, I think, displayed a little more flexibility than she had on South Pacific. That's a very low bar. Right. Admit it. In part because the game ended up being flexible, right? Like, South Pacific wasn't at all, right. you know, no swaps, no anything. Um, 
you know, it's one thing about like, oh, she's smart enough to know she needs to change her game to win. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if it's actually a thing that winners change their game to win again. For one, like, it's never happened before. <laughs> it's right? Actually, right? Yeah, the only person only to win this game twice. <laughs> yeah, and she did the same thing twice, yep. you know? Um, generally, you change a losing strategy, not a winning strategy. That's just kind of a tip for life. Like, and that's kind of been a charge that's levied against people. Like, you know, again, a. Look who's talking here. Okay. Uh, I guess Rob a lot. He's not that good. He can only win one way. Nobody wins two ways. It's not a thing. It's a weird rubric that was created so people could sound smart when what they're really saying is, I hate Rob <laughs> yeah. and I wish you'd stop talking about him. But it's just like, you know, the winners that changed their game, um, actually historically have been historically bad. JT changed his <laughs> game and it did not work okay. out well so, for him. To be fair though, we have always said that JT taking that swing in Heroes vs villains was a worthwhile risk it totally blew up in his face but it was a worthwhile risk that'd be nice but he came back again <laughs> and to try to like uh, instead of charming people i'm just gonna do lots of crazy things <laughs> like people people tend to stick with what they're good at in part because a lot of what's being good at survivor it's just like who are you and does that work in this game? Right. It's not like oh, this wildly like, I, you know, this is the, the strategy I've been putting. I'm going to try this new move on a chessboard. It's like, uh, I'm good at this sort of thing and people like that and I won. I'm, but, uh, and here I am a few years later. Uh, surprisingly, I'm the, still the same person as I was. So I'm going to be that person and hopefully people will like that and I'll succeed. Now, for Sophie's purpose, she isn't the same person. She was a 21-year-old, which is barely a person. I think we all can acknowledge. Yes. So maybe she will play a much different game. But it's just like, you know, she's smart enough to know she has to play another one. It's like, I don't know. Like, her previous strategy has a 100% success rate in her mind. Like, <laughs> I don't know if she's been like, I can't win that way. Because, like, why would you feel that? Because you'll be a huge target? No. No, you won't be a huge target. Not in this season. Um, so it's like, you know. So what we need to be rooting for in this situation then is for Michelle to play the exact same game she had before, which is take someone better than her to Final Travel Council, right? No, because she I won mean, last time. Yes. <laughs> so she needs to repeat that same strategy and take someone better than her to Final Travel Council. Or preferably two people, which hey, she uh, kind so of did we... last time as well. <laughs> Hey, so we've been, like, pretty complimentary of Michelle this season, and uh, we had Emma on the podcast last week, and she started to talk us down from that, and I wanted to like, know what you guys think after this week, and, like, putting aside the voting out Yule and the bitter feelings that that entails, but, like, how do you feel about Michelle now? We should let Matt go, because I know that Matt is a huge Michelle stan. It's true. I am the biggest Michelle stan uh, on this site. Uh, anyone come at me, prove prove me wrong. Um, no, I mean, but honestly, before, like, last week, I was warming up to her. I was like, oh, she's more personality, more entertaining. The thing that got me this week that totally just put me back to where I started before this season and I've always been is I don't understand why you choose the person who treats you like shit over Yule. You know, like, why does she still want to be with Wendell? It, she's miserable with Wendell. You can't fake how, like, unhappy they make each other during those scenes. Why are you just hang? Why are you staying with him? Like, it, you know, like, she, like, she, like, just 
why do you have to, Michelle, why do you have to keep allying yourself with the shittiest men on every season you're on? That's <laughs> my problem with Michelle. Why change what works, right? buddy? Yeah, why change like, what exactly, works? Like what I was just saying. Why change you know, what works? Just key- ally yourself with the shittiest men on the season that she's on, like Nick and Wendell here, who, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, m- most of the people I well, think yeah. on this season are not shitty. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm ready to put those two in shitty. Uh, and then, you know, on our original season, like, you know, like Jason and, uh, Scott. uh, the NBA player whose name I forgot. Scott. <laughs> um, Scott, right. God. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my big problem with Michelle. I, I'm amazed that she gave Wendell a fucking fire token. Like, what even, was the purpose of that it it clearly didn't buy her a lot of goodwill because we saw conversations they had after that and he still seems like at best a very shitty and shaky ally to her like he's constantly correcting her and annoyed by her and like explaining shit to her that she's already said like He's literally mansplaining to her. Like, on the show, we are seeing him mansplain to her. <laughs> yes. We are seeing him talk down to her. We're seeing him mansplain. He's being, a, he's being a fucking ass to her, and she keeps coming back to him. And her big famous scene, one of, like, the three times she appeared in Korong, was to say that she didn't need to be carried, bro. Like, where's that, Michelle? She's uh, trying to be carried. I mean, I guess people would argue the fire truck and work. How many votes did she get against her, right? And, you know, she came into the episode looking like she was the biggest target. So there's that. But no, I agree with Matt in that it seems like the key to Michelle's success and getting back to what I was saying that, you know, maybe no one ever changes their game is she's really good at placating shitty dudes. <laughs> and that's how it worked. That's how, like, you know, the jury felt good. Like, oh, yeah, that's the one. And um, it works for her. Because in the end, yeah, Nick is, you know, strategizing with her. Wendell's like, you know, it's me and you. Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, get out of here, you idiot. And, like, you know, if she gets into a jury with, you know, enough shitty dudes on it. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know if there's enough of those here, but who knows? And up against, you know... Who knows? Maybe you know some women or you know minorities who like made them feel bad about beating them. That she could win again, and then we can all be on the survive on, on the internet, being like, "Yes, Queen, she is the symbol of all things you know great about slayage." Only because probes you know made comments about her. But yeah, no, I was all the way out after this episode. Uh, and yeah, you know, look, I said to separate it from the old, but yeah. You know. Look, if you want to charge bias, uh, yep. go ahead. I don't care. I'm in. But, like, before I knew she was voting for Huel, the scene with her and Nick, when Nick is asking her what she would like to do, who should, should, who should we vote for? Which way should we go? Wendell or Huel? He's asking her, and she will not give an answer. Like, it's a one-on-one conversation, not even a bring it back. What do you think about Yule? Right. She, you know, she, she's just making sure whatever she does, she does not put herself out there. And like, again, this isn't your criticism of her, but it was a distillation of everything I fucking hate about the survivor. And you know, I found it amusing the first episode because like, there's all these people. What about them? No, no, maybe not them. What about them? And then finally, like, you know, Robin Poverty, like, why are they not doing anything? And then we actually never saw Robin Poverty pick the target of Natalie. Everybody's been blaming Rob for it because, you know, 
maybe the only fathomable idea is that eventually Rob said something, and apparently once Rob says something, you have to do it. He's forcing you because he's a big bully. But, like, it was frustrating then, but funny. And for me in this episode, it was just frustrating. Just, like, fucking say something. Make your big move. Her big move was to make sure that Nick got to decide who to vote out. I mean, and and this is the thing. In the earlier – I mean, one of the reasons I disliked Michelle was because – in Corong was because I hated seeing how she played off these shitty dudes – because, you know, it wasn't that she was against them. She was with them. And then this season, when I briefly liked Michelle, it was because it was like, oh, this is what Michelle looks like when she's playing with a woman who respects her, you know, and that's interesting. And then Barbity goes and, and, you know, and then it's like crappy old Michelle again. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. So maybe Michelle, like, you know, when she's around women that she's actually playing with, like, maybe she is as interesting as her biggest stands online say she is, but she just doesn't choose to play with those people that often. And see, this is why I thought she needed Parvati as the mentor, like Parvati to take her under her wing and like show her how you do this thing, which didn't get to happen because of, you know, small tribe swaps, you will taking them out, whatever it was. It's just, you know, I would have liked to see that narrative develop. Like Michelle might be a better player if she's surrounded by people like Parvati. Who knows? We don't get to see that. She switched right back into placating Wendell by giving him tokens and letting Nick call shots. Like, I'm with Andy. This is not fun to watch. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Is that suggesting that I'm not with Andy on this Yeah, I, I know you're the biggest Michelle stand, so you're going to be opposed to this. <laughs> Just well, like Michelle invite- had a chance. Yeah, that's why we invited you yeah. on, just to rope everything bad on you. But she had a chance to work with somebody who respected her, who, like, at least narratively seemed like part of the reason why he was turning her- his mind around was that he didn't like the way that Wendell was treating yeah. her. At least he used that as a bonding tool. And, you know, she took that and then she used that to whine about fucking fire tokens again. And then Yule's like, I have a plan for that to make you more at ease. And she uses that to get rid of that guy so that she can still be with Wendell. And well, part of, like, another thing is, like, I'm so fucking over the Michelle and Wendell bullshit. It was funny when Parvati was there. But now it's just like, I bet this is what it's like for all your friends, too. Just like, oh, God, those two again. For, like, the two weeks or however long they were together. (laughs) And it's just like, it's not funny anymore. Because you had a chance to do something about it. And apparently, you just love the drama. Yeah. And I I don't. This is why I don't watch The Fucking Bachelor. I have no interest in this shit. Yeah, like I would, and like I to further the point. Like I liked it when it seemed like like her and Parvati were like striking back against it. But no, it's more like you know she's culpable, and you know I, I'm my my sympathy is no longer with her. You know, frankly, there's a little bit with Wendell. It's like it's clearly that they're both just a little shitty. Yeah, I mean, and the, I mean, which is probably true of most relationships. I mean, I wouldn't say my sympathies with Wendell because Wendell nope, definitely seems to be shittier but uh but my sympathy is not with michelle anymore where i enjoyed it when it first happened because it was and i thought oh hey maybe she'll do something about this yeah and yet no i I didn't mean like i have sympathy for wendell it's just like before i was totally on michelle's side and now i'm just like okay yeah they're both making their each other shitty Right, because he is being shitty. Well, yeah, and, yeah. Obviously, edit blah blah blah. But the scenes are happening. He is doing those things at those times. Yeah. Um, 
And it's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, apparently she doesn't mind, I guess. Yeah. Right, let's switch on over to Edge of Extinction. Let's, let's end this Michelle and Wendell bullshit. Um, we had our first Edge of Extinction quit of the season. Tell me on a scale of one to ten how shocked you were that Sandra went home, Andy. Uh, went home within the first five minutes, I guess a two, uh, went home at all, not at all, like, at the, like before the season began, either on our comment boards or in tweets, I'm like, oh, I just realized Rob is probably going to be on the jury for the first time ever, and somebody hit me back with, like, Sandra too, and I'm like, eh, I don't know if she's going to stick around. Nope. And people are like, what? You think she'd quit? I'm like, yeah, that bullshit? Of course. Like, why would she stay? She is a historically bad challenge performer, and she's older than she used to be when she was historically bad. <laughs> the, you know, what she is good at Survivor does not matter of, at all at that portion of this non-Survivor portion. So, yeah, she's left, and good for her. And she's got two million reasons to leave. Like, she's she's already set anyway. She played. She lost. Good go home she's not making it back in like i that that's an a- accurate reading of risk i totally support that yeah i mean and it's i mean and come on now like it, it's just also like why would she stick it out just to be on the jury which some people are like oh well she should have stayed just to be on the jury she doesn't care about that why should she care about that i think i said on twitter sandra had no, no interest in awarding someone else money other than sandra <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, she isn't a particularly generous per, per, uh, person for any part of it. Like, if it is not good for Sandra, it's not good. And I respect that so much. I've said this before on this podcast, but clearly this is an opportunity and that it must be said again. People severely underestimate the value of quitting. It is, you know, it's, I don't know if it's the, the, the strong, you know, uh, American or whatever work ethic. Sometimes you just need to be able to take stock of a situation and realize this isn't for me and just fucking bounce. Like there's not a lot of like, you know, nobility in like suffering for no reason. If something isn't for you and it's never going to be for you, then quit. And I mean that especially for this, you know, part of the game that almost everybody hates. Uh, but I also mean that in Survivor. Like, I'm not even that, you know, monplussed about when people quit Survivor. Sometimes things that seem like a good idea at the time end up not being good ideas. Fucking go. And I respect her so much for doing it. Like, when at first I'm like, she's not even gonna, like, stick around and, like, chat. But then I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Honestly, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> that, that was, that was what surprised me too. It wasn't the fact she quit. It was the fact that she, like, got there, stepped off, everyone's like, hi, Sandra. She's like, yeah, where's the flag so I can raise it? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, like just like knocking over the fire pit, like she cannot be out of there fast. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, that was the one part of it that surprised me, but also like that's great. She just knows exactly, you know, like what her shit is, and this ain't her shit. So yeah, it very much reminded me of like her with the knocking over the fire log and everything. It reminded me of the old Simpsons gag where they like race out to the car and you hear the tires screeching in the distance. Like she could not have gotten out of there faster, and I respect it so much. But no, no, she is. Good at a great many things in Survivor, none of them that mean anything in that portion. And like, oh, what about a puzzle? It's never just going to be a puzzle, people. Like, anybody who's arguing that she has any chance of coming back, you're just trying to be upset. 
Like, what? Stop. It's the same people who, like, are, are they, they keep, like, laying out these, you know, crazy hypotheticals of why, like, you know, like, poverty might have had a chance or something. It's like, stop lying to us. We, you know, we know, and most especially, Sandra knows. She ain't coming back. So why fuck around for 20 days in a shitty situation, all so that she can, like, you know, pick what it will probably be an obvious choice. Oh, like, ooh, her vote. One of what will be 17 votes. That's really going to decide the winner of the season. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm glad she quit. Same. Um, there was some other interesting action on the edge of extinction. Like, there was actually, you know, several scenes there that I was like, yeah, I'm fine with sticking around here. Like, don't give us any time on that green tribe. I don't give a shit about them. Let's hang out on edge of extinction. And while we were there, we did get to see our boy Ethan hanging with Parvati, having a nice touching moment. Did you guys enjoy that? Matt, Matt, was that a, a scene of the night for you? I just like whenever those two interact. They're, they have a great just chemistry relationship, friendship. Though, you know, part of trying to like holistic medicine, oh Ethan, God. you know, actually being worried about his cancer was a little uh, sketchy. But... uh I just like watching those two together. I agreed. I mean, I, I, I love their dynamic as well. Like, it's just fun to watch them interact. Same thing with um, Ethan and Rob. They're just fun to watch hang out. Like, it's a good buddy comedy type thing going on. And, yeah, I think Ethan was trying to have a real genuine moment. And Parvati felt like she needed to say something there and was like, um, yoga, fasting? <laughs> I did like she like saved it at the end when she's like maybe you should stop thinking that negatively like that was fine all the other goop bullshit not so much but yeah no like I've said it before this season like that's honestly the stuff I'm interested in Edge it's just like oh cool let's spend time with these people again and remind us what we like about them because the other part we got and frankly like yeah everything on Edge of Extinction yeah. was more interesting this week than what was happening there uh, I worry that that will be a trend for the rest of the season although I also remember saying last season like you know as bad as Edge of Extinction is think of how much better it would have made Game Changers so if this is going to be like Game Changers then at least we have that um like, what did you guys think of, like, the, the then turning around and having everybody chase after, like, fire tokens? I, I mean, part... I like the flashback. Yes. I, I like the way they edited it, and they'd use the flashback to kind of show us what actually happened. Well, Rob, you're like the, or, uh, John, you're the biggest Rob fan, so what did you think about Rob finding the tokens? Oh, first of all, obviously, I loved Rob batting 750. Um, but more importantly, like I'm with Matt, I, I love the flashback. I like the way they structured that narratively. Like it was much more fun to see them all sitting around and going like, oh man, I just, I don't know. And, and Rob mooning Tyson to prove that he had no fire tokens on him. Um, Rob was <laughs> like multiple times willing to take his clothes off in those scenes, like to the point that I'm like, you're really eager about this, buddy. Rob's always <laughs> the first guy to be like shirts versus skins, shirts versus skins. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already taken off his shirt as he's saying um yeah but it was cool to watch rob then narrate the flashback the guy's good at talking to the camera like he knows how tv works he knows what to say he could probably picture the scene in his mind so it, it was good it was a fun fun little scene i don't know that i'm super invested in fire tokens as a thing yet but i, I enjoyed what we got out of edge at least and what's weird is you you mentioned the that you were more interested in hanging out on the characters with an edge of extinction. 
a whole lot of the people that complain about Edge of Extinction are the same people that get pissed that we don't have those character-building moments. It's all strategy and game boss and blah, blah, blah. Well, now you fucking have it, and you're very upset about it because it's outside the game, quote-unquote. Like, just fucking enjoy that at least we're getting this rather than spending more time with Adam and Ben being fucking clowns. Um, what I liked is that, like, last week we were saying, hey, you know, poverty going home with no no chance and all that. This proves that, you know, producers aren't fixing anything. And the producers stepped the fuck up this week because, you know, just handing Rob three fire tokens and then yes. going back and shooting the footage of, like, oh, they were totally here. Like, that's A-plus <laughs> stuff. Like, that's what we needed a little too little too late but you know there's still time so yeah thank you again for fixing the season for uh jeff probe's only favorite player um so that was good i I also like tyson you know talking about his smack uh because it actually is the two layers of the the tyson uh smack talk that i like the first layer is he's funny and he likes insulting people and that that is funny but i also like when tyson also fails um, doing so. And it had both, right? He's like, oh, he's a portly yes. fellow, so yes. what's he gonna do? And then it turns out, ah, oh, he actually, you know, was given three <laughs> fire tokens by production. Yes. And no one complained. Right, and you know, we had to see it in flashback, so we couldn't see production go like, hey, Rob, here, and then throw the fire token out in front of him. So... I've seen they reenacted that after, like, just being like, here you go, buddy. We never actually placed these anywhere, because what if somebody else beat you to them? Like, that's probably what happened. I think we all know. Oh, I've yeah. seen the summer. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's a better point. Um, hey, how about the fallout for Denise wasting that second idol and announcing her presence <laughs> in the game? That was uh, swift and brutal, was it not? So, in fairness, <laughs> they didn't go to Tribal, so we didn't get to see if there was any sort of fallout. But it's... <laughs> Why are you it, being fair here, John? Why are you being fair? It's obvious that, he, it's obvious that, uh, that there was a swift and brutal fallout. You know, come on now. Yeah, I, I think Denise <laughs> is fairly well positioned. And this is why, like, there was, there was a level of camaraderie we saw with that grouping of four that I really hope sticks around at the merge. Like, I, that, that, my entire rooting interest exists know, in that tribe, and I just need them to stay together. Yeah, no, I mean, I mostly pointed that out because I love saying I told you so, and last week, of course, we were like, no, it, it was good, and this is why, and it will bond her, and we saw all of that come to play. But the other reason is, like, a lot of the things we were complaining about, about how, you know, action is so swiftly punished in Survivor, and that makes it worse, we, as audience members, don't need to aid in a vet in that process by, like, discouraging moves constantly. Uh, and that's like, whenever somebody does something bold, there's like this counter chorus of, oh no, they probably shouldn't have done that. And Mel, maybe you're right, but I also feel like it's helped raise a generation of Survivor players like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. But I'm also maybe just talking shit because, you know, I'm coming from a place of heart. Um, you were talking about Ed, Adam and Ben's bullshit. We should get into that real quick. Okay. Can we please? I actually kind of found it a little funny, uh, in part because of you know the way I interpret all you know events in Survivor and possibly the world. Uh, it's like, hey man, um, maybe it'd be nice if you guys had a buffer between you guys, but no, you wanted to stick your, <laughs> each other with uh, well, the good ship uh, Ben and Adam. That worked out really great for them. I mean, it it did gen- it did genuinely amuse me how much they obviously irritated each other <laughs> and. Ben is someone I found kind of funny this season. So, like, him, like, you know, talking down to Adam, I found right, kind of because funny. Because the part I enjoyed about that was that Ben is a lower-tier winner, and I think even recognized it earlier in the season. 
and yet still talks down to Adam, which then puts Adam on an even lower tier, which I enjoyed because I'd really like to stop seeing Adam on my TV <laughs> so much. It's it's getting a little old, and if it's not building to like Adam as a unanimous merge boot, then it probably means that we're stuck with Adam the entire season, and I'm just so disappointed in that. I mean, but how, I mean, how can Adam do any wrong? He has such impeccable uh, survivor skills and senses. Like how he knew a hundred percent that the idol was either with Sarah or with Ben. He knew that. He, he knew it. I love how it was impossible to be more wrong than he was. <laughs> <laughs> he gave himself two. He choices. was even giving himself more. <laughs> two out of three. <laughs> it's so great. He's. And, like, he was right that, like, they're fucking with me. I can tell. Like, he was able to sniff that out. Like, they ain't really looking. Although, I mean, shouldn't Ben be? Like, I don't believe he is aware of where the idol is. Um, but... No, I'm pretty sure that Ben does not know. But I think, but Ben, I think, was convinced that Adam had it. (laughs) It's like, those two. I know it's those two. If I know anything, it's those two. It's like... (laughs) I do at least enjoy that they're getting Uh, clowned. That... That's fun, but I think I'm so bitter because, you know, Adam got clowned earlier in the season and didn't get taken out like he should have, so uh, now it's not as fun for me anymore. I'm like, nah, I don't want him to stick around all season and get clowned. I want to watch other people play Survivor. Right. But, but you know, th- that's also, I mentioned how I was liking Sophie this season before. I like how she handled the entire situation where e- when those two were obviously hating each other, she's just sitting back and kind of laughing to herself about it, you know, because I was too. So. Well, also, in Sophie's credit, is that I, it's clear that she doesn't really want to play with Adam either because she threw him under the bus. Oh, yeah, 100%. The one I thought misstep was uh, Sarah saying, like, hey, Adam, I definitely don't have it. You can even look through my bag. She knows that Sophie has it. I don't know for a fact that she knows that Sophie has it in her bag. But at the same time, probably don't throw that out there just because you might end up screwing Sophie there. Yeah, maybe. I think this uh, episode, this season, has really shown something that the whole show me what's in your bag, what's in your person, is a waste of time. Like, we've actually had people have things in their bag or on their person, and nobody saw it. So, you know, that's yep. that could probably go t- to a stop now, you know. All right, let's move on to more happy topics and talk about what we're hoping happens next week, because we're finally... Finally getting a merge, and we did get confirmation from your boy Jeff Probst that we're getting the uh, Edge of Extinction at least one person back next week. Did he speci- specifically say it's one person? I just said there was a play-in challenge. Okay. I, I mean, I assume. I assume it is only one, but I wouldn't put it past them to throw a wrinkle in this. Who knows? I think the person that's coming back is somehow immune. And, um, yeah, it could be that they're granted immunity. Could be that they bought an immunity idol, although that one comes into a little less. Like, I think they're publicly immune because we got a lot of scenes of people in the game throwing out names. And none of those names were the person coming back. Like, uh, it's like, like, how do you even get to a place where you're talking about voting out Adam when, like, one of these people is coming back? So I almost wonder, like, maybe they win immunity. Like, I just, I think, like, there must be something because, like, yeah, as much as you'd want to get rid of Adam, I think 
everybody would be talking about the returnee. And you know, I guess also it, maybe it's Danny. I don't know. Um, well, also in the preview, <laughs> you're probably not going to oh, be disappointing about getting Tyson back out of the game. Well, absolutely not. But they show them talking about Adam. And what I'm saying is, I don't know how you ever mention voting out Adam if Tyson is an option. I don't know how that footage would yeah. exist, is what I'm saying. See, you know what should encourage you is the fact that they're talking about Adam. Maybe it's my boy Boston Rob coming back into the game, and he's going out for vengeance. He's going to take out Adam for having taken him out. No, 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 no. Boston Rob's back in the game, so they have to take out Adam because Adam is Boston Ro- is how they get at Boston Rob without voting out Boston Rob. That's right. He's Boston Rob's closest ally still oh, in the yes. game. I forgot about their very I mean, tight bond. That almost bond. might be true. <laughs> but he might actually be like who else is a Boston Rab? Jeremy, I guess <laughs> maybe Jeremy, Jeremy. But you know, yeah, no, uh, yeah. yeah, no. So I was just thinking, and what I would hope is that it's because they won the challenge, not that they you know are doing the thing again where it's like you come back and you're also given an immunity idol. I, I don't think they're going to do that this season because um, they're giving you tokens to buy yourself an immunity idol. Um, Right. So, you know, that's what I'm think I'm hoping whoever comes back is immune, however, because for one, that would be the least interesting part. Yay! We get somebody back that we like. Uh, okay, I'll see you again. That was so fun. Um Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that like one of the people we wanted to lose at the beginning of the season, we actually do. Like that wouldn't be so bad, right? Yeah. It, it would be nice. Like I said, it would be nice. Unanimous merge boot of Adam. I'm I'm in. Let's let's see it. Let's make it happen. Like even a game changer's Caleb got the fuck out the paint in the pre-merge. But like we like again, like I didn't care that Danny left, but she wasn't like on my hit list when the season began either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna put it out there. I hope Yule comes back because yeah, sure. Yule's Yule's one of the people who could come back, and I could actually see him folding back in and not being an immediate target and working with people still in the game, like. Sophie and Sarah would be there. He could work with them. He could work, you know, that red drive is something like, oh, well, Yule got voted out. You must be, you know, like they must see him as a threat. Maybe he's another shield. Like, Yule could come back in the game and have a lot of options, you know, whereas, like, if Rob comes back in at this point, he's not going to last long. No, you got to do a Rob move and send him right the fuck back out, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same with poverty at this point. So, like, it's, you know, like, you know, I want someone who I like to come back, but I also want someone who has like who has some legs. Maybe Ethan, um, but even there, like I mean, I don't know. I feel like, like Natalie could come back but, and actually play. Yeah, no, Natalie could come back and definitely play. That 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 isn't that that is an obvious one. Yeah, but yeah, no, you could come back and start slaying people, and maybe that was what was up with the like playing of the lyric song as they were heading to tribal council. What the fuck was that? that? Was so bizarre. Like what? Is, I don't know it was, what that like, was. Very was... rock metally. Like yeah, we're gonna be badasses now, and it's like what, what the? F- this is not how Survivor does. What is going on here? Yeah, like that song was used in the promos for this season. Um, so it's there, but it's right. like, like do you use it as backing track for this. It's like uh, uh, that. That was weird. That, like that's, that's yeah. Again, that's we we use like. I mean, it's obviously because Michelle's winning, and they have to give her sure. the rock score. I mean, maybe you know, I'm not ruling is... that out, dude. By the way, but now when it happens, I'm blaming you. <laughs> you can just keep digging yourself <laughs> a grave here, and I don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> Oh, because I hate myself. Um, 
But yeah, no, I mean, I, I hope that whoever comes back in is someone who can, like, actually have some runway to do yeah, work. And, yeah, and I'm with you guys. That's like, what I hope. I, I think there are certain players that I would root for to come back, and yet at the same time, once they came back, they're probably just as screwed. Um, there are a few players, I think. Right. Yeah. Tyson, Rob, Parvati, they can come back at six for sure, because you know what? They come back at six, they, right. could, they could win out. Why yeah. not? Well, yeah, no, but I, honestly, for Rob, that's kind of what I'm hoping. Like, just stick around more, get, <laughs> hand them some more tokens, hang out with your wife and your friends, then come back and win it at the season, and then... Everybody can hate it, and I won't, and that's fine. Um, look, if he, if he had never got voted out, anyone, everybody would hate it too. So I don't need to like you know for, to justify. Just like I don't need to justify Sandra quitting. All I need to do is point to the scoreboard and say, "Hey, the only two time winners are Rob and Sandra." Um, you know what I would do? <laughs> the the very first comment I'm leaving when that happens is, "Ha ha, cry yourself to sleep." Rob beat Adam. <laughs> And I'm featuring that yeah, shit on but, our like, website. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, that might be the banner. Like, we'll get rid of whatever our subtitle is, the smartest or whatever, and just that. Uh, yeah, no. And the other thing, of course, I'm hoping for is the thing that Matt promised to us earlier. That, you know, like, Wendell and Nick can, are punished for turning on Yule by Sophie and whoever. It's going to happen, yeah. man. Definitely going to happen. My hopes are completely yep. up, and I see no problem with having that plan. There, there's no possible, yep. uh, you know... Uh, detriment to having my hopes so high for yeah, something i don't i mean i know that we retired the prediction post but uh but Wendell's going home next week guys that's just that's just happening if you fucking write that on our site by the way do you want me to write no you are barred from <laughs> writing that on the site what you have to write <laughs> is like uh that nick is winning the season that's your assignment yeah. work on it um i mean i wrote about wendell winning the season two weeks ago i wrote about michelle at the beginning of the season like you know, I feel like I've covered most of these people, but sure, yeah, I'll work on Nick this week. So uh, you can look for that on our website. Uh, what's that uh, URL? That is purplerockpodcast.com. There's no, well, you can put the www in front of it, but why would you unless you're 70 years old? Um, and if you are, socially isolate. Don't leave the fucking house. So when I call your country, I have to dial one, so I assume it's the same thing when I access the internet from my country to yours. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? No? Yes? Oh, boy. Let me explain Twitter to you, too, old man. Um, Purple Rock Pod is the show account. I am Purple Rock John. Andy is Purple Rock Andy. And Matt, believe it or not, is Purple Rock Matt. It's almost like we're good at branding. And we will not let you, like, uh, you know, really work, scare quotes, on our site unless you have a four-letter name or can fake it. Um, hey, uh, if you're looking for more things to do, you know, as John mentioned, our website has a lot. We've been putting out, you know, so many articles back when we were excited about this season. Uh, and we're continuing <laughs> with, you know, the, um, you know, 40 most influential survivors. This week we had poverty. Um, and, you know, next week we might continue that trend of, you know, you get booted and then suddenly we feature you. Spoiler. Um, but also, uh, Matt and I have another podcast. Yeah, we do. Uh, Andy, what that? what's that podcast called? I mean, I'm hoping you all know, but you know, based on our numbers, you don't or don't care. Um, it's uh, probably that. that. It could be, uh, <laughs> both things can be true. 
Um, it's the Infinity Stone podcast. It was started uh, for us to cover all of the films of the MCU. Uh, we we finished that, um, and now we've been uh, covering the X Men franchise. And we just released a podcast uh, the day of the recording of this podcast. So like we're putting out so much content. So if that interests you at all, because you're just dying for things to interest you at all right now, uh, you can check that out at InfinityStonePodcast.wordpress.com. Cool, and let's hit some theme music. So if you're gonna play the game, boy, you gotta learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. 